Welcome to It's an EDRN. On today's episode, an event I have dreaded for some time has finally happened. Something I've been stealthily avoiding. Something I hoped would somehow be prevented through my persistent efforts to be nothing more than adequate at my job. And yet, alas, they have oriented me to charge. But all is not lost as I have some strategies to mitigate the damage. Strategies, which we will discuss right now. I'm your host, in EDRN, and I hope you'll stick around to listen. It's an E, it's a D, it's an EDRN, it's an E, stands for emergency, it's a D, stands for department, it's an ED, not erectile dysfunction, Episode 27, an EDRN is oriented to charge. Welcome to my podcast, It's an EDRN. I am your host, an EDRN, and today we are talking about the slippery slope of nursing leadership. (laughs) That administrative ladder, which is structurally... More of a shoot, if you ask me, and something to be avoided at all costs. But why? Well, I will tell you. But first, if you're new to the show, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I have been a nurse for 11 years. I spent uh, the first part in med surge, then I transitioned to an ICU. Then for five years, I was a nurse manager. Uh, which is a whole thing and is a lot of the background for what I'm going to say today. But for the last year, I have been back to bedside in a level one trauma center emergency department, and it has been difficult, and it has been eye-opening, and has been exhausting and violent. And I have had so many moments where I felt so incredibly dumb And yet also moments where I have felt like this is where I truly belong. And I'm having a good time. And that good time has been threatened. (laughs) And that threat is being oriented to charge. So what's the big deal? And for those of you who are listening who are not nurses... um, God, thank you, I guess. Um, Thanks for your interest. I'm baffled, but also delighted. Um, On any given unit, certainly in the emergency department, you have your frontline nurses. These are the nurses that are taking a patient assignment or are assigned to a specific area like triage or the trauma bay. Um, And then you have the charge nurse. This is someone who uh, rotates from shift to shift. They are there for the 12 hours that you are there. And their job is to coordinate the care, to oversee the care that all of the nurses are giving on the unit. They are in charge of making the assignments, uh, the patient and nurse assignments. They are in charge of uh, making sure there's adequate staffing, Um, fielding call-ins, fielding complaints from patients, fielding questions from nurses. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff that they are responsible for. But essentially, they are the clinical arm of management uh, on the unit. 
and most units have nursing supervisors, and these are people who always charge. That is their role. They are the charge nurse every shift. And then there are relief charges. The people who will charge when a nursing supervisor is not scheduled that shift, and that is what I have been oriented to do. So what's the big deal about being oriented to charge. It sounds like a good thing. Most people are excited to be recognized in this way, to be recognized as someone who can be, you know, leader for the day, someone who can fill that role. There are some perks, I'm not going to lie. Um, being the charge nurse is, first and foremost, a vacation from patient care, which, let's face it, is the hardest part of the nursing jobs. It's the hardest nursing job. And I have done several. And frontline patient care is and will always be the hardest. There are so many reasons why. And it just is. And being the charge nurse, not having a patient assignment is kind of nice. It's a nice little bit of variety. The second thing is you get a cool pager. Um <laughs> One of the only uh, people in the world who still carry a pager are uh, charge nurses. Um, and it's not just the pager, it's what it represents. You are the person who needs to be in the know. Every time a trauma comes in, you need to be one of the first to know. Anytime a patient gets a bed uh, in the med surge or ICU units, you need to know. You need to know so much stuff. You, and you need to know it so fast that they have a pager just for you. Um, it feels cool. Wearing it feels kind of cool. Checking a pager uh, is weird, and I hadn't done it in a while. But it's kind of cool, you know? It's just... It's a thing. You walk into a room, you have a pager, people know that person is somebody. That nurse is somebody. Um, and on that vein, it's kind of an immediate uh, source of awe and respect of your peers, kind of. You know, you stand in front of your peers at, at shift huddle every morning, and when they're saying, hey, this is, you know, so-and-so, she's orienting to charge, everyone's like, okay, you know? that it's It's recognition. It's... This is something I can handle. Oh, look at her. She's really, uh, you know, she's moving up in the world. Um, that feels good, objectively. It's also a chance to be helpful. And I just generally like being helpful. I like being a person who can answer questions. And it's been a while since I've been that person. And I hadn't really realized when that transition took place where I was the person who was more often answering questions than I am asking them. And, and that's kind of nice. It's, it's nice. Um, you learn new skills. I'm always up for learning new skills. Being charge nurse for a day is a whole different set of skills that you get to learn. And um, that's exciting as much as it is intimidating. It's also just a recognition that you are someone who is noticed. You're someone who is trusted, you're esteemed even. Uh, they've recognized you. They, they've seen you working and they've seen something in you that made them go, you know what? We need to orient her to charge. S 
at some point, a meeting took place between the nursing supervisors and my manager where they had a list of people and they were like, who are we going to orient to charge? And my name was on it and they identified me. And that feels good. Recognition feels good. And it is also a trick. (laughs) It's a ruse. And I will tell you why. Charge nurse is the hook they use to lure you into being a nursing supervisor. And being a nursing supervisor is only one small step removed from being the nursing manager. And suddenly, here we go again. And I'm a pawn in this game that no one can win. If, if bedside nursing is checkers, nursing leadership is chess except none of the pieces move the way they're supposed to, and you start with half the number of pieces as every other player, and it's that, like, Star Trek 3D, uh, like, chessboard, and no one explains the rules, but you're expected to win. That's my experience of nursing leadership. (laughs) And I don't have to go all the way. I don't have to be a nursing manager just because I get trained to charge. You know, I could just be a nurse supervisor, and nurse supervisor is... Like the middleman, they still work three 12-hour shifts. They, um, you know, I guess why not just be a nurse supervisor? It's, it's, It's not that different, you would think. But it is. When I was oriented to be relief charge, uh, I was asked to apply to the nurse supervisor position. And I said no. (laughs) And I can't tell you how hard that was to say no. I have a problem turning down opportunities that are presented to me. I feel like a bad person. I feel ungrateful. I feel unhelpful. I feel like I'm disappointing someone when I say no. And I still did it. And that's the important part. And why did I say no? Why is it, why am I so opposed to the way that things are are going? And I will tell you, being a nurse supervisor substantially increases your responsibility, but it only slightly increases your wages. (laughs) And I'm not into it. I am not into that anymore. I think this strange phenomenon in nursing has been exposed and I've talked about it before but it's similar to educators um, school teachers uh, especially where you are expected to do this work out of the kindness of your heart and just be paid what you are paid and not complain about that and I, I don't know that I realized that that was happening to such an extent until the pandemic happened and until the concept of travel nursing, which has always been a thing, really, I mean, just quadrupled the number of travel nurses and what they were making because of the demand for nurses really came into the forefront. And I realized that there's a large swath of the public that is somehow opposed to nurses making that much money. And talking about what you make and wanting to make more money is is suddenly you're a different kind of nurse. It makes you a completely different kind of nurse than you were, 
I guess when you were making less. And I don't understand why that is. I don't understand why that is because there are plenty of industries where we use compensation uh, as a marker of recognition and a job well done. Many CEOs, even when their companies tank, receive astronomical bonuses. Many CEOs, even when wrongdoing is identified and even criminal wrongdoing, they are paid crazy amounts of money just to to leave. So I'm not saying I need to be paid like the CEO of a, you know, parasitic company, um, but I am saying that the discussion of making more money and how that determines what jobs I will and will not take going forward is very much a smart decision on my end and very much does not have any direct effect to the quality of care that I'm delivering. Offering me more money and paying me more money doesn't make me a better nurse. However, you will be able to staff higher quality nurses when you pay them more. And that is simply down to having more of a selection because more people will apply because your rates are reflective of how you value that person. I don't know how we got here, but suffice it to say, back to the topic at hand, when there is a substantial increase in responsibility without a concurrent increase in wages, I defer. <laughs> no thank you, ma'am. Um, another reason I don't want to be a nurse supervisor is the introduction of direct reports. Direct reports are essentially people who are under you, people you are responsible for, people who if they do anything outside of the very specific policies of the unit, have to be told that they need to change that behavior. This is often called coaching or counseling or one-on-ones or, or there's a lot of different terminology just depending on which um, consulting group your hospital has paid to come in and teach you the terminology. <laughs> and I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in sitting down someone and being like, we need to talk about you clocking in late all the time or sitting down and being like, you made this person feel really uncomfortable in that capacity. I am not interested in that. Certainly, if I witness that happening, I have no problem going to that person and being like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but I think you made them really uncomfortable or like that was really harsh. I don't know if you felt that way, but or. Encouraging someone else to go to that person who was harsh with them or may have been inappropriate and addressing it. I have no problem with that because I have so much experience being the person who was responsible for that. Do I want to be the person who's responsible for that again? No, I don't. I just don't. I want to go to work. I want to do my work. If someone pisses me off, I want to be like, hey, that wasn't cool. And, and just take care of my own business and let other people take care of their business. <laughs> And if people need help take care of their business, I will help them. But I don't want it to be my job. I don't want to coach people. I don't want to have to document that I coached people. I don't want to have to document their response. I, I just don't. I have done so much of it, and I'm burned out. And I think it comes down to, fundamentally, I have never been trained 
to do it in a way that I feel really good about, in a way that I feel like addresses all of the, the disparities existent in healthcare, because we all don't enter the workplace on the same level. There is fundamental inequities in the people who work in this environment, and I don't feel like the way that we address behavior in any way takes that into account. And I think it should. I think it should. And there's something there that just cuts at me. And that's probably a whole other episode. <laughs> um, another reason I don't want to be a nurse supervisor is meetings. I do not want to go to a meeting. I just don't. I don't want to do it. I have been to so many meetings in my life, and I don't ever need to go to another one ever again. Ever. I don't want to spend most of my day in an office. I don't want to spend most of my day in front of a computer. I mean, do I spend a lot of my day in front of a computer now? Yeah, sure, of course I do. Uh, charting is ridiculous and um, unsustainable, and a lot of the reason why nurses hate their jobs. But, like, spreadsheets, computers, meetings, I don't want to do it. Not like that. Um, a big reason why I don't want to be in our supervisor is the loss of a huge peer group. Something you have to consider when taking any position is who will be the person or people you have your primary interactions with. Who are you going to be interacting with? If your primary interactions are with doctors, <laughs> outside of ER doctors, because I've got to say, they're amazing. And I, I just didn't know. I did not know. If your primary interaction are going to be with administrators, if your primary interaction are just going to be with a small set of people, I'm not interested. I'm not. I like nurses. I like bedside nurses. I like emergency department bedside nurses. This is a group of people that are just my jam. They are creative. They are gritty as fuck. They're innovative. They care. And they are able to express all of those things so eloquently in their own way. I can also swear as much as I want around them and they don't bat an eye. They don't get hung up on stupid shit. It's like, it's, there's like this agreement, this unspoken agreement of what is important. The rules are clear. It's checkers. It's just, it's simple. All the pieces move the same. There are different personalities, of course, and we all have different levels of clinical competence. Fine. But it's like we all understand what our role is and the clarity of that and the way we're all able to operate within that clarity and the way that at the end of the day we high five each other <laughs> for a job well done it it's it's community and I'm not ready to give that up because even the best nursing supervisor the most respected nursing supervisor, the one that everybody loves to work with, you're still a supervisor. You're still set apart. 
you can't you can't be a part of the whole you can't be a part of the bedside crew <laughs> in the same way you are part of leadership you are other now and as much as i want to support my leadership because i know their job is damn hard and as much as i try to be an ally to my nursing supervisors even when i don't feel like i'm getting what i need from them i i don't want to be that and i don't want to go to any more meetings meetings really is the thing it comes down to i hate i fucking hate meetings i i didn't know i didn't know i fucking hated meetings but i very much do And now it is time for some tips and tricks <laughs> to avoid becoming <laughs> something you don't want to be. Tip number one, just say no to promotion. Many of us, especially nurses, have this sickness where we feel compelled to take every promotion that we're offered, but you can say no. Say no to being trained to charge. Say no to being on a committee. Say no to picking up an extra shift if you don't want to. And, and any other thing that would make you stand out as someone who is willing to go above and beyond. You do not want to stick out as someone who's willing to go the extra mile. And the reason that you don't want to do this is because, tip number two... You have value beyond labor. You have value beyond what you can do for someone else, beyond your job, beyond how you are perceived in your job. If your goal is to climb the ladder, make more money, whatever, work your way into a nine-to-five office situation where you're wearing a blazer and you probably don't get urine thrown at you on the regular, great. Go for it. But not wanting those things is just as important. And you still have value. Tip number three. Not all leaders wear pagers. <laughs> you, you may not be oriented to charge yet on your unit. Uh, you may only precept here and there. But that does not mean you're not a leader. Techs can be leaders, clerks can be leaders, paramedics, EVS associates, as well as nurses can be leaders on their units. A leader is not someone who has been given authority. A leader is someone who has influence. And influence is not something you can avoid because you don't get to decide when you have it and when you don't. It is assigned to you. <laughs> So if you do have it, recognize that you have it and use those powers for good. And finally, I have one trick. When saying no, lean into the positive and avoid the negative. It's not that I don't want to be a nurse supervisor because I'd feel trapped in an office for most of my shift and have to give up my free time to go to meetings that in no way rely on my participation in a decision-making capacity. 
I don't want to be a nurse supervisor because I'm having a good time being a bedside nurse. And I'm not ready to give that up. And with the way nurse turnover is going, that nursing supervisor position will still be there in a year when I am ready to be done, you know, getting spit on every week. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If so, please subscribe. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yours would be the first. And tell your nurse friends to listen. It is okay to say no to opportunities at work. Be appreciative of the recognition while also recognizing your life is perfectly balanced just as it is. And support your unit's leadership because their jobs are truly shit. Thank you for listening and have a safe shift. It's an EDRN is written and produced by me. Our senior editor is me. The theme song is written and performed by, tragically, also me. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and do not reflect the standards and positions of any healthcare entity that I may or may not be working for. Although I am a nurse, things I say in this podcast are not a standing for professional medical advice and everything you hear from Randall's on the internet should absolutely be validated across multiple other reliable sources.